0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Early Childhood Chatter with Dr. Shipley and Dr. Heald. We will upload a new episode every other week on Wednesdays.
1: Twice a month, we come to you with a 10-minute professional development that you can quickly listen to for new ideas to try. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast for notifications about future episodes.
0: We're so excited about our guest today. Valeria Fantalis is a Harvard graduate award-winning learning expert and a licensed school psychologist in Florida. She brings more than 20 years of experience helping children to optimize their learning to succeed in school and in life. Thank you so much for being here today, Valeria. This is such an important topic, not only for teachers and admin, but parents and families. So, So thank you. Absolutely. Thank you for inviting me. It's a pleasure. Yes. So today you're going to talk about not-so-typical learner in early childhood education. And this is something that most all of us have encountered or encounter on a daily basis, right? Yes, absolutely. And for one reason or the other, I see that this is something more kind of a trend than before. Yeah, you're exactly right. And I think it's because we're learning more and we know more and there's more research out there and more people are learning about children. So so I just want to start with the family members because they are the biggest part of this, in my opinion. So as a family mm-hmm. member who has never had any early childhood education, how can they tell if their child is struggling or even is a little bit delayed?
2: Good question. Um, If it's the first child and the only child, and they have no information about child development, I would suggest to go to the CDC apple tracker um, that provides specific information about the milestones that should be happening in different age groups. And of course, always refer to the pediatrician and to the teacher. But if you as a parent want to research yourself, that could be something to look up to. Um, at least in order to gather more information about what are the expectations and the milestones that each child should be reaching at different points,
0: right? Right. So I have a quick question. Like in most communities, or I know the communities that I have lived in, there are different resources that parents could reach out. Um, Is that everywhere? Or is that just very few and far between to get help to (laughs) have someone look at their child to, you know, Yes. So it's not always the case. And sometimes if you want to reach
2: out um, for evaluations, maybe you have to wait uh, for a long time. And that's where it starts running the time in which um, the parents want to do something about it and they don't have the access for it. So that's challenging. But at least I think if nowadays in the world of online media, um, having those milestones at least can give you some idea in terms of what are the expectations of what should be happening in language development, in um, social, emotional skills, in terms of the motor skills. And of course, every child is different and we shouldn't be also like stuck <laughs> to the specifics of achieving right. at the same time as everyone else those milestones, but there are months that are expected to be happening certain things in the brain, right? So I think that that's why like the CDC guideline, it could be at least, well, a guideline <laughs> and in order to know a little bit more about what are the expectations and eventually if there's something else that as a parent we we have to do. Now, we, it is extremely important to know that no matter what, the brain is a muscle and, um, and, and the brain doesn't necessarily develop by itself, it develops in context. So the number one thing that I would suggest maybe for a parent in order who may be wondering what to do in order to make sure that my child will be okay or like develop right. accordingly, is what it's called like the, like the listening to your child, looking at the eye, listening to the needs, and then responding to that need. Um That interaction between the child and the parent, even if it seems very basic, it's extremely important because it's creating in the child's brain different areas and connecting them together, sense of what is happening in the world. Mm-hmm. And that eventually it's gonna then impact on what sound my dad is making, that then connecting that to a word, And then eventually expressing and repeating that word, for example. So that servant return that it's called in the sense of um, listening and looking and paying attention to my child's needs and what he's doing or she's doing or saying and then returning and providing that feedback, that I would say that it's the basic of what Mm -hmm. parents can be doing. That again, it seems easy but sometimes it's not due to all the other challenges that we have as parents Mm -hmm. in the everyday life Um, but that connection it's glue um, for Mm -hmm. the upcoming development.
1: You know, Valeria, you brought such a great point together that we really want to embrace the years we have with our youngest learners, our early childhood learners, because the development is so fast and it's progressing just at a really rapid rate. So mm-hmm. I think that our, our, we can really understand what families are looking for with the developmental milestones. We also want to factor in that a large population of our audience is educators. So as an educator, you are seeing some maybe developmental delays or some developmental um, milestones that are just not being met. What advice do you have for our educators or our practitioners?
2: Yeah, I always say that teachers, early childhood teachers, are have a lot of responsibility, and at the same time, they are glue for the mm-hmm. child's. Um, I would say, like potential developmental potential, because those are the people who are the spending the most of the time with these kids they are the most knowledgeable compared to eventually parents who may not have that information. And even though pediatricians, of course, they typically see the kids once a year. So they are the ones who can make the most impact on these children's lives. And I've seen and I work with a lot of educators that they struggle a lot in terms of what to do and -hmm. and how to help them best. The Mm -hmm. communication with when, when the teacher identified that something is it's off and maybe it's not as expected compared to other children in the age group. Um, Having like communicating it well with the parents, it's clue because Mm -hmm. it's going to happen. And most of the times at least it happens that maybe the parent is not necessarily seeing the same things that the teacher is seeing. So having that partnership, it's essential for the child's improvement, right? In order to Mm -hmm. reach out for services and interventions. One key that I would suggest to the teachers is keeping documentation in terms Mm -hmm. of what is happening in the classroom. And when I say documentation is either like writing notes in terms of what she was able to do or not, um, then having that milestones written and then compare and show the parents about these are the expectations for the class, your child we tried this activity and he has he wasn't able to do so um for example we typically know that children should be walking between nine and 14 months that age you know that it's wide the range um but until a specific point like if the child is not necessarily walking at 14 months that it's kind of a red flag right like we have to do something about it so documenting what is happening explaining to the parents that they are in the same boat and that they want to help the child it's glue for the parents to understand that it's not that they are being or feeling judged by the teachers but it's more about a partnership and a team to work with the child Mm -hmm. once you get those like the parents and the teachers together that's where you can see that the child eventually can make the most of any intervention
1: mm-hmm. so
2: one it's the observation discussing the concerns and the red flags with the parents and then providing resources or providing options in terms of what to do next right mm-hmm. and that's something that some teachers can definitely provide some interventions within the classroom yeah. but then sometimes you need to reach out to professionals an earlier intervention it's glue for the child's overall development. There's a lot of research that as you may know that the first three, four years of you know, the human mm-hmm. beings, uh, the brain develops the most during these four years. So what as, is we can identify those red flags as soon as possible and get started on working on those skills, the trajectory in terms of what the potential of this particular child will be would look like very different than if we don't do the work during these early years. Mm. Um, so having that professional support, let's say, by speech therapists, occupational therapists, um, clinical psychologists, counselors, and early interventionists is clue for the child's progress.
1: Mm-hmm. Valeria, you said so many great things that I just want to kind of um, recap i think that documentation is essential for educators because that's another way for us to communicate what we're seeing to those research professionals that have specialties that we might not have um, mm-hmm. i always tell my students that we are not you know we are not practitioners um, in specialized mm-hmm. areas there are so many resources out there for us to go to to just like you said get those systems and those processes in place to support the children and families and i just love that you said that um, do you have we always try to lead our listeners with three takeaways. Do you have three takeaways for our listeners um, that they can just kind of reflect on as they leave here?
2: Yes. (laughs) One is that the brain, as I said before, is a muscle. So no matter the delay that your child may have, the muscle can be worked on. And it depends on what you do, the interventions that you do, the context that you do that will help that amazing brain develop so it doesn't matter if you have a specific diagnosis or even within a genetic disorder there's so much that you can do beyond the specific diagnosis the clue at this age is early intervention so it's to provide this child with the specific resources to overcome those challenges and then at the same time I will think about what is called like a growth mindset approach in terms of thinking that, again, the intelligence or any skill is not fixed, but it's something that we can work on. If we have, as parents and teachers, that the growth mindset in which we can provide those interventions to the children and have high expectations about them, then you Um, I I bet because I've been working with (laughs) for these 22 years with a lot of children struggling for different reasons and you
0: see the growth that it's very important. This has been a great topic because it is so important and um, I think teachers and families both struggle with this and um, differentiating for students and things like that. So what is one challenge as we wrap up your session that you would like to leave our listeners with?
2: With children who are typically delayed or they're struggling as parents and as teachers, we typically focus a lot on what is missing. What is the child not necessarily doing? I would suggest that of course we have to take care of that, but start thinking also about one strength or one big interest that this particular child has and keep on providing strategies and experiences for that child to keep on developing that strength because in my opinion at the end of the day as an adult that eventually it's going to be the specific area that the, this person at the end of the day it's going to maybe work on or have a life based on that strength and not necessarily on those areas
0: of weaknesses thank you so much and i appreciate you so much for being here and i hope you'll join us again thank you absolutely thank you so much have a great day you too